1: The Seahawks return home this week to face the Arizona Cardinals. They are coming off a disappointing loss in Green Bay. Seattle now 3-6 and on the season. You already know that. You also know that this is Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. As we get you ready for Sunday's game, which we keep saying, John, is a big game, is a big game. The Seahawks running out of chances here to keep pace and to stay in the playoff race. But before we get to Arizona, before we break down Green Bay... I am going to set you up with a little bit of the trick question because we spent a lot of time, John, traveling across the state of Wisconsin on Saturday, Sunday.
0: In In a minivan.
1: In a minivan. It was great. And the best part of our trip was?
0: I think you're going to the Piggly Wiggly grocery store we stopped at on the way to Green Bay for some snacks and provisions.
1: Well, I am. It was either that or the skee ball we played while waiting for our plane on well, Monday. Well, when four that hours was delayed in Milwaukee. Yeah, you know, there that were worse places too. to be delayed. But I just have to say, for folks who are listening who think that Piggly Wigglies only exist in movies, not true. It is a real grocery store. It was decorated for Christmas. They played Christmas songs. We got provisions for the road trip. I also have a souvenir Piggly Wiggly t shirt. I learned that the loyalty program card is called a pig card and the greeting when you leave john is what
0: i believe it was have a piggly wiggly day
1: yes is that correct yes so if you encounter john or i at any point in time and we say have a piggly wiggly day you will know where that is coming from and that my friends is true seahawks insider knowledge do you like that
0: maybe maybe to inside Really? really.
1: I, really? Nah. I think that I mean, that's just a snapshot of how we spend time and how we bond together as a team on the road. It also seems like a softer landing than the, just jumping right into what we saw in the game, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was not not a great day. There's no way to sugarcoat that one when you, you get shut out for the first time in a decade. It's rough. Look, there are encouraging things, most notably what we saw out of that defense for three plus quarters, just playing their butts off and keeping Aaron Rodgers in check. But uh, yeah, that's, you know, just like this one is huge for a team that's looking to get back on track. Last week was the same situation. So it's a tough one.
1: Let's start with that defense. Last week, we talked about Trey black Brown and how maybe the fact that he was a rookie was going to help him. John, I think that that's exactly what we saw. He wasn't backing down from anybody.
0: No. I mean, that guy's fearless. He is playing with so much confidence and swagger. And I thought it was interesting this week. Pete Carroll talked about how that's almost a necessary trait particular. I mean, for that position in general, but particularly when you're playing two undersized guys out there who look, do not have the ideal dimensions of a Seahawks cornerback. They're not six, three. They don't have the huge wingspans, but both DJ Reed and Trey Brown are just really tough, confident, brash guys. And the, the, play at that position has been really good since those two have been in the starting lineup
1: yeah Trey did not allow a completion on sunday just two targets but still played pretty strong in four games he has allowed just seven receptions on 16 targets for 44 yards we heard bobby wagner say that he is not afraid to take chances i think that goes back to what you're saying about the brashness and the confidence part of that's a size thing part of that is he's not afraid to make mistakes and we have heard Bobby talk about any number of guys that way and veterans will always say that that the rookies want to come in they want to do it right but sometimes that causes them to play tight that's not what we're seeing from Trey Brown I thought very interestingly enough Jordan Brooks admitted that it's only in the last couple of weeks that he has been able to cut it loose.
0: It, yeah, and it's it's a really tough fine line for these guys to walk. Because look, you you have a head coach who preaches so much about stay on top, don't give up the big plays, you know, be be fundamentally sound. And that doesn't mean he can't you can't take your chances, but you got to know when to do it and to do it uh, properly. And so you're not getting the defense hurt. And that's where you know we've seen trade just has kind of a knack for you. you hear Pete use that word? He's just sort of a natural football player. You know, there's that. That big pass breakup he had in Pittsburgh in overtime, where he left his man because he recognized Roethlisberger is going to check it down here, got a big stop. Similar situation last week on that fourth down stop, where, look, if Aaron Rodgers pump fakes and he's biting on that, they could have a huge play. But he recognized, no, the ball's going to this check down. He broke really early and he got there and made a great play
1: the thing that Jordan Brooks needs to get better at and really that entire defense, it comes back to those screen passes. And the reason yeah. Trey Brown isn't in this conversation is because it's happening right in the middle of the field, right? Like right where Jordan needs to diagnose this for as well as Brooks has played, he is second on the team and tackles Pete says, yeah, that, that recognition and, and those eyes, they need to get better.
2: You know, there's probably been players that might have a knack for, you know, for, because they, because of their upbringing and their exposure and all that. Um, you know, KJ always was a little bit ahead of everybody in in, in terms of awareness and all that, but uh, this is just something. Just it's experience. He just needs to see a couple more. He you know he needs to feel the pain of it. You know, we get beaten some a couple times and stuff, then and, and we could play better. And um, that. There's a good example of the sense of urgency that Greg was talking about that he feels and he's been made to feel that we need him to to play those plays better when he has his opportunity. He's not the only one. You know, D linemen get a chance to feel that the outside backers and the safeties get a chance to feel those plays too. You'll see Bobby sometimes he's in the backfield on those plays, you know, because he can sense the flush of the play. and, And so we just have to do a better job of it.
0: As Pete says, it's not just Jordan Brooks. There's a lot of different guys who to have on screens. But the, the reality is that position, that weak side linebacker, Bobby Wagner did, did a good job breaking the sound yesterday. That spot tends to be the side of the field they tackle because naturally if kind of the flow of the play is going one way and there's more blockers on that side, the strong side linebackers over there if there is one and the weak side guys covering the other side. So he's left in that space and you know he's following in the shoes of, one of the great screen killers we've ever seen in KJ Wright. So they're big shoes to fill. Jordan Brooks did say he might call KJ Wright this week and chat screens with him. So I'm sure he's going to get better at it. He's a really young player. He's really in his first year as a full-time starter. But it it is something that he and that whole defense need to clean up.
1: Well, I also thought it was interesting that Bobby kind of put us all just – like not in our places, but reminded us that KJ did not come in as the screen master. And I thought it was an interesting way that he said, you know, look, I think KJ got called that one time and he took a lot of pride in it. And that's when he started to rack up all of those plays and and started to recognize, which means that this is not something that Jordan had to come in knowing. He didn't see a lot of screens at Texas Tech. This is something he can't grow
0: into. Yeah. he was a middle linebacker a lot more. He played close to the line of scrimmage. I just, it wasn't part of his position and his responsibilities. So this is all pretty new to him. And, you know, it has been a bit of an issue for him in this defense. But uh, I think everybody's pretty confident that, you know, as much as he's grown overall as a player, he's going to figure this out too.
1: The Seahawks have allowed 123 yards and six receptions to Aaron Jones and to A.J. Dillon. That was last week in Green Bay. They have allowed the most receiving yards of any team to running backs this year. So it is something they have to clean up. They know that it's going to keep coming their way. And look, when we look at this week's game and the Arizona Cardinals, they have got a great running back and they've got a great ground game, John. So you've got to make sure that this is tightened up.
0: Yeah, you know, they they lost Chase Edmonds to injury for a little bit. He's on injured reserve, but James Conner plugs right in and he's a really good player. He's a former pro bowler and he had a 45-yard touchdown on a screen pass two weeks ago. So that's gonna be something Seahawks need to be hyper aware of. They've played really good run defense for a while now. Really, I think the the Vikings game was maybe the last one where it got away from them a little bit in terms of the run defense, but running backs have still been huge factors. You know, Alvin Kamara had a huge game as a pass catcher. A lot of guys have got him, so they need to clean that up. They, you know, they've cleaned a lot of things up on this defense, they're playing a lot better over the last month, but I think kind of cutting down the the big gains to running backs is the next step for them.
1: Well, I also think it is limiting some of those big explosive plays from Arizona this week in particular. They've had 32 plays of 25 or more yards. That's the most in the league. They are third in the NFL on converting Third downs, which has also been a problem for that defense, but when you hear Pete talk about the safeties and the way that they are playing and the game that they're coming off of, you know, maybe this is another building
0: block.
2: They're really good. They're really good. Jamal probably had his best game in a while. You know, and and, uh, most active, and uh, he had 11 tackles or something like that. Some big plays and a pick, and he did everything well. He did everything in the game plan well. He did a really nice job pressured well, too, you know, and just did all all that stuff. So um, I just think the two of them, are, they're, they're impacting you know, players in the game. You can feel them. They make things happen. You see the uh, the hits that he had and another breakup that he was part of. You know, that they make things happen, and that's what you're hoping your safeties play like.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen it over the last few weeks now. I know there's a lot of concern about Jamal Adams early in the year. A lot of that, I think, was just because he wasn't getting the sacks we saw last year, and he's still not getting those, but he's finding ways to make impacts all over the field in other ways, obviously, as first interception. You know, one play that didn't really get a lot of notice because it was just an incomplete pass, but that early in the game, Aaron Rodgers took a shot down the right sideline, and then Trey Brown had perfect coverage, as incomplete. But the other part of that, Jamal Adams was closing and fast. He led up because he recognized the ball was overthrown, but he'd have been right there to blow that play up too. So with him playing like he is, and Diggs has been great all year, Obviously as the three interceptions, he just comes downhill and hits so hard for a guy his size. It's it's fun to see. So yeah, that position group is going to I mean, they're both pro bowlers last year. You expect this out of them, but that's been big on the back end combined with a good cornerback play. And to your point, you know, particularly if, if DeAndre Hopkins is back and if Kyler Murray is back, those are two very dangerous big play guys you gotta worry about throwing and catching the ball.
1: Yeah. Hopkins has been dealing with a hamstring. Kyler Murray has been dealing with an ankle, something that's been, I think, bothering him going back to last year. And it's funny, John, the amount of consternation in Arizona right now is off the charts. They do not like fans do not like the way the Cardinals have been playing. They've only lost a couple of games and they are perfect on the road this season, what kind of pressure do you think Kyler Murray, or I guess the Cardinals in general feel coming into Lumen Field?
0: Yeah, and there might be a little bit, because this is a team that hasn't had recent success. You know, they obviously expectations are really high when you bring in a new head coach, you draft quarterback number one overall, and they've improved a lot. I mean, I think they were a five-win team two years ago. They were eight and eight last year, and everybody was expecting, okay, this year is when you get over the hump, you make the playoffs you know, do all these good things. They went out and made some splashy moves in, in the offseason. And then you start out as well as they did and, you know, look very much like a Super Bowl contender. Look, seven and twos in a great position. They lead the division. They still are in play for everything. But I think you worry, you know, if you're a fan of that team, if they drop another game or two and all of a sudden it's, they lose three out of four or three out of five or whatever. And then you start to wonder, is this team regressing? Was that hot start real? All those things. So look I, I'm I'm not going to doubt the Cardinals at all I think that's a really loaded talented team but I could see for a fan base and for a team that hasn't had that success recently that you do start to get nervous when losses come up
1: Well and I think they start seeing shades of 2020 when they did fade down the stretch and they couldn't get that last win that would have gotten them into the playoffs. Here's a couple of statistics that tell me that Arizona is not fading. I mentioned that they are perfect on the road this year. They are the only team in the NFL who have scored more than 30 points and allowed less than 20 points in every road game this season. They have scored 30 or more points seven times. They have allowed fewer than 20 points seven times. They have three games in which the Arizona defense has recorded five or more sacks and three takeaways that's ridiculous and let's add to the fact that no team has more road wins at Lumen Field since it opened than the Arizona Cardinals yeah I
0: mean it it goes go ahead
1: well I was gonna say I, I I understand why I was listening to some of their uh their radio personalities from Arizona this week saying the Seahawks are now irrelevant like with with the numbers that the Cardinals are putting up the Seahawks are irrelevant and to him it's not even going to be much of a game on Sunday
0: we should get that one played in the in the meeting room and Seahawks players might like to hear that exactly get get that queued up in a team meeting yeah look I mean the numbers favor them in a lot of ways especially all those road numbers but I also think in the NFL and sports in general there's something to be said for the more desperate team and the Seahawks are really up against it. Bobby Wagner talked about that yesterday. There's really no leeway left. I'm not saying you got to win every single game from here on out, but you got to win darn near all of them if you're a playoff team. So sometimes that little bit of desperation can be, be the deciding factor when it's a close game and two teams are pretty evenly matched. So I, I think the Seahawks are going to put up a hell of a fight, but all those things you outlined, I mean, the Cardinals, they've been really good this year and they've been really good in Seattle for, you know, multiple coaches, quarterbacks at, It hasn't been one constant thing, and they've they've won a lot of games up here.
1: Well, and here's the thing that has to happen for the Seahawks offense. They have got to find some sort of balance. The point has been made all week long. 40 passes by Russell Wilson last week in Green Bay I think was a bit of a surprise and maybe a head-scratcher to some. It was coming off an injury. That weather was not ideal. It, It wasn't particularly sloppy, but it wasn't. Great in that field at Lambeau. We know what happens. We saw what happened to DBs and and to wide receivers and everything. It, it, it does seem like they have got to find some stability and consistency in that run game. Uh, otherwise, you are trending in a in a downward direction.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they haven't had Chris Carson now for five games. It sounds very much in doubt whether he's playing again this week. Pete Carroll's been kind of vague on that, but it certainly hasn't been very encouraging what we've heard so far. So yeah, I mean, they, Alex Collins has given them some good things, but he's also playing a little banged up. They just have not been able to get Rashad Penny going. So I don't know who the answer is there, but you're right. They, you know, Pete Carroll said it after the game. He said it on Monday that they need to run the ball better. They need to run it more. I I think that 40 number is a little skewed by the way the score got late, but it's not like it was balanced when it was three, nothing. They were, they were still throwing the ball a lot more in running it before that. And that was a little surprising given all the things you outlined. So I do think we're going to see them try to get after the running game a little more and and try to get something going there.
1: Yeah. And really anytime you see 40 pass attempts, you know that something is not going your way. I went back and I looked at the number of times that Russ has thrown for 40 or 40 or more times. Cause I'm thinking back to last year or even a few years ago when he and Doug Baldwin were setting team records, trying to figure out like where was that sweet spot In the 17 games that Russ has thrown 40 or more passes, the Seahawks have won just three of those. To your point, you throw the ball more when you are behind, but the higher that number goes... That, that's not that, that's not what we're looking for. In fact, here's what Pete Carroll is trying to find when the balance is discussed between run and pass.
2: There's not a number. It just depends on the game and how it goes. You know, there's not a specific number. But when you're running the ball really well, you're running it in the high 20s and around 30. And that's that's. Uh, and then when you really go for it, you do like the Niners did. They ran it 42 times. You know, that's 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 off the chart to the positive. But yeah, we just need to run it just to mix our game and balance it out more. So in a game that's as tight as that, we didn't. You know. We, we didn't need to, to do anything but just keep controlling the football, and I wish we could have done that better in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are teams where 40 pass attempts is pretty normal, and you do see them win a lot of those games. But in a Pete Carroll offense or coach team, you know, they want that balance. And generally, as you said, something's not going right if you're throwing it that often. I don't know that they need to run the ball 30 times or anything like that, but you need a credible threat of a run game. You need to do it earlier and just, you know, balance it out. Keep that defense on us. Cause that you mentioned earlier, that pass rush is really good. They've got two guys off the edge. Golden is having a great season. He's got nine sacks. So yeah, let, let's get Alex Collins going, or maybe finally this is the game. They can figure out how to get Rashad Penny going. I, again, I don't know the answer, but, Let's not see 40 pass attempts.
1: Well, and when you talk about that pass rush, Chandler Jones has to be at the top of that conversation. The Cardinals in general have played well. We mentioned at Lumen Field, but against Russell Wilson, they have sacked him 25 times here in Seattle. Chandler Jones has recorded eight and a half of those, and he did not play last year. John, we forget about that. We saw Arizona. We know what a challenge it is. This has been like a weird home and home thing with the Seahawks and the Cardinals, like trading, you know, like who has the advantage on that one? Chandler Jones didn't play last year. I think we might've forgotten the damage that he can do.
0: Yeah. He's had an interesting season though. He had the five sacks in week one and he's got one sense. That's not saying he hasn't played well since, but he hasn't been quite as dominant, but yeah, he's he's had a field day against the Seahawks. He's, 13 and a half sacks in nine career games against Seahawks, four forced fumbles. You got to figure out how to keep that guy at least limited and what he can do. But again, they've got a guy coming off the other edge who's having a really productive season. So that's that pass protection. You know, Seahawks have given up a lot of sacks this year. I think it's been multiple sacks in every single game. They, they need to clean that up a little.
1: Well, and, you know, I, I'm wondering, we mentioned, you mentioned, you don't have an answer running back or for the run game, right? Where's the hole, though, in this Arizona defense? I think it's in their ability to stop the run because they are fourth in the NFL in yards allowed. They are fifth best in allowing under 19 points a game, and they've got 19 takeaways. It seems to me like the game plan should rely heavily on some of those short to intermediate routes so that you're not testing that secondary deep and that maybe you're just getting over that pass rush a little bit, just dropping it right behind him. Yes,
0: for sure. Yeah, absolutely. If you know, we talked about the running game, and you'd love to see that going. But another way you can be balanced if the running game is not working is diversity in your passing game. And there may not be time for some of these long developing plays, and it's it's complicated a little bit more if Russell Wilson's not taking snaps under center again because that changes things a little bit. We'll see if they they change that up this week or not. But yeah find ways to get the ball out of Russ's hand quickly to his playmakers fast. We saw glimpses of it last week, you know, getting the ball, Gerald Everett worked well, but there were a couple of quick slants to DK Metcalf that went incomplete, but he was open and those are potential big gains if he hangs on to the ball. So yeah, uh, that to me, if uh, I would love to see him run the ball really well, but if you can't, we need to see that.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think that that's going to actually lead into one of the things that I need to see for a Seahawks win this week, but would you like, to start it off with the two things you need to see.
0: I mean, I can I feel like we always let you go, but uh, going back to those two edge rushers, Golden and and Jones, I want to see them held combined under two sacks. You know, I don't think you're going to shut those guys out altogether, but keep them quiet. You know, let, let Russell Wilson have a little time to work. I think we're going to see a nice bounce back from Russell Wilson. Uh, You know, uh, we don't know, you know, he, he and Pete Carroll both said the finger was an issue, but it obviously was a struggle for him in some capacity and, and they're going to need him to be better and keeping him upright will be a big part of it. Going back to what we talked about earlier on the other side of the ball, I want to keep the running backs in check and in the passing game in particular that I, I think we've seen the cornerbacks hold up really well. Obviously if Deandre Hopkins is playing, that is a big test for them. But right now it seems the biggest weakness in that defense is getting hit by checkdowns and screens and all that stuff. So keep Connor and company, you know, limit the receiving yards, maybe under 50 or so by the running backs.
1: I'm going to give you two on offense, although defense does play into this a little bit. The Seahawks have not run more than 64 plays in any game this year. They are among the teams with the fewest number of average plays run per game. I'd like to see that get up to 70. 72 maybe and I don't care how you do it I, I don't care if it's increasing those runs to like Pete said you know upper 20s or if it's just utilizing short passes but that plays in to the second thing I want to see quick releases from Russell Wilson I know the Seahawks have short passes in their offense but I also know that it has come after perhaps Russell has gone through his progression in his reads now there's nothing wrong with that but a little bit of tempo and just getting the ball out of your hands in under three seconds I think would certainly help to keep the Arizona defense off balance and help keep the offense on the field because you are going to need to do that as we pointed out with an offense in the Cardinals that is capable of scoring 30 points any time they want. I think we pretty much covered it, John. I hope do we so. feel good about that game plan? I feel good about it. I that. do. I think, you know I
0: think if they do all things we said, they'll be okay.
1: I think so too. And maybe next week I'll wear my Piggly Wiggly shirt. And we can all revisit that fun. Because you know what's There's only one thing left to say. We'll see you next week. Have a Piggly Wiggly day.